Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 178. Um, you're probably hearing my voice is somewhat different. I uh, had a rabies vaccine last week because I'm heading out to Brazil soon, and uh, I reacted terribly to it. <laughs> I um, has was fevery, I was whatever, and I was basically been in bed for three days. So um, with that, I also got a pretty pretty rough cold as we went. So it's uh, it's been a rough few days, and hence why I sound like someone said I sound like Muttley. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, that's what the sort of very rustic voice has came from. Um, the last episode we had <clears throat> was with Rachel Yarrow. I think Rachel is the fourth last of my Nuffield cohort. Um, episode to be filmed. Rachel's um, Nuffield is looking at trying to find uh, a a sort of pasture based goat industry in the UK. Um, a lot of goat production here, very much small compared to other livestock, uh, but trying to find a pasture system that, that, that works successfully in this country. And she basically said she doesn't know she will. And that's sort of why she's doing her Nuffield. And the next episode is another Nuffield episode with Sam Watson-Jones, uh, who's looking into ag tech. And I haven't filmed that episode yet, but I get the impression it's going to be one of those ones I get a wee bit confused, <laughs> which I, I look forward to. But today probably is along that similar confused route. Um, you can't see this. This is all uh, just audio being recorded. Um, but if you could see this, you would see I'm sat here in a Tesco hoodie, uh, what I believe to be Tesco trackies and some fancy Adidas socks. Um, so I really do know how to dress myself well and very fashionably. <clears throat> and today we have a guest to speak. Well, I think it'd be fair to say she's an expert in this side of things um, and has certainly created a brand and also very much a presence in this side, uh, in this industry. Um, and that guest today is Bronte Claire Mitchell. Bronte, would you like to say hello? Hi, yes, thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, it's a pleasure. Just before we get started with another episode of the R2 cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, Howden Rural, formerly known as A-Plan Rural. Howden are heavily involved in the social media scene in the ag space with over 100,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories, as well as posting to their rural community blog with further articles about these people in the sector. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to Howden Rural for that. Not at all. Thank you for coming on. I'm, again, this is going to be really interesting because I'm so interested in the marketing and the business side, and I have such little I don't know, knowledge of of the sort of side of of fashion so I'm, I'm quite looking forward to this and we've had we've had holly thompson on i don't know if you know holly thompson yeah um, yeah yeah i thought you might i thought you might she's she's great uh, we had holly on god it'll probably be about a year ago now actually um and sort of following that magazine creation and sort of creating a brand story was really interesting even though it was it was it was horse and country based the thing that I'm sort of not over involved in it it was really interesting to see and I think this is going to be interesting for the same reasons um so just for those listening eh, Bronte for those that don't know much about yourself could could you give us a wee bit of background on on sort of who you are um oh gosh where to start um so I'm 24 um, I was born and bred in Yorkshire, so huge country in and out girl. Um, and yeah, I've always had this passion for um anything country related, horses and um, agriculture. Um, and I guess fashion was just kind of like a side thing where 
um every single event that I went to whether that be um you know a country show a young farmers event um there seemed to be this like uniform of like rural fashion which I noticed um and so I just kind of like kept that um to the back of my mind um and it wasn't until school really that I sort of found this interest in writing and literature and I sort of wanted to become an author um and then as I did more you know went deeper in school I was like no this is not for me I don't enjoy that at all um and yeah my two I knew that my love was writing but I also loved fashion and so fashion journalism just sort of came together so I'd say in terms of my interests in you know from being really young to now those two have always stayed the same as as I've grown up it's it's quite interesting that because like you know um becoming an author or or someone that you know in in any form of writing I think when folk are younger it's a, it's a thing that probably quite a lot of folk consider but what I would really struggle with is just you know let's say being an author whether that's novel author or, or just writing in general without a sort of background i.e fashion i.e whatever I would yeah. really struggle to sort of have that creative outlet because I wouldn't really know where to start now I don't know if that's down to me not being very creative <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> um, yeah yeah, definitely different styles of writing and I think that's what I didn't really enjoy about the more creative side I mean article writing is it is still very creative um and you know news writing things like that are completely different I'd say fashion and lifestyle is more you know creative um but yeah I just enjoyed kind of that element and then looked into well what is my passion what am I interested in and what can I go into that's a bit more fixed um and themed I guess and uh, country rural lifestyle was one of those yeah. and you said you were brought up in rural Yorkshire what what, what did your parents do um so my mom actually so both of them don't you know we're not from a farming background we're not from agricultural background and um, we do have horses at home we're very keen um equine uh, people but um yeah we don't have any links to all our land basically that we have at home is for horses um but yeah so my parents my mum uh, used to be a manager of a preschool and my dad is actually in the print industry which is very um again where I kind of came into my interests and um learned a lot more through him um so yeah not nowhere near anything agricultural um but yeah we we've all had or embedded our lives somewhere um whether that be in horses or um yeah to be fair it's just mainly been with horses just because we have them at home was it is that horses for for racing or just horses for for you know for having we've had horses since I was little so um every time we've we've just kind of like grown a family um and mum kind of like eats soup breeds it um I sadly fell off a while ago so lost confidence there um and there's such a big commitment as well so with my work and things it, it is hard to kind of like keep that momentum going with them but um yeah it's very much mum's thing and um she goes hacking um and kind of just keeps them um as more of like a field pet I would say than competing and things like that um but through it obviously the community um within equine is huge you know she's met so many friends so have I 
um and young farmers has been a huge thing for me I've never been a part of young farmers um but I was my all of my friends were um one of my closest friends um Will he was a chairman of our local young farmers and he kind of um got me to go to all the like dinner dances and things like that so whilst I was ever a member I was always sort of related or would always come to the events um so yeah I've just kind of along the way and along being you know from a child upwards I've kind of had you know a few spots here and there that have been related to country and rural but um family background there's nothing yeah. really close really it's 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 interesting you say about <clears throat> having the fall and sort of the, the confidence knock I, I believe it or not I uh, actually did some horse riding lessons when I was younger <laughs> and uh, I was I was not horsey at all there was no horses at home um but one of my friends did it and I was like oh how hard could it be you <laughs> go you know and uh, mum confidently and um, <laughs> I think I'm quite a confident person and I think I was even more of a confident kid and uh, mum loves to tell folk this story just to bring me down a peg that <laughs> it was my first day and I was like oh got on this horse that's probably about two foot tall and um I just could not get the hang of standing, oh, no. staying on and I just sort of slid off the side <laughs> um, went straight under <laughs> exactly that's it that's it uh, but I I love the idea of um maybe not quite yet but sort of down the line maybe with a family of having like a sort of small holding with a couple of horses yeah. when I've got time to like really give them the time they require um, yeah because they're exactly. lovely animals yeah. it's such a committed a thing to do um you know whether you whether you have a small holding horses um even just a small farm you know the whole as I've grown into it and learned more about the industry it's a huge like working progress development thing and I really do admire it and you know like yourself would love to kind of have um some sort of small farm when I'm older or something like that but yeah it's amazing to kind of watch even equine like it is so hard when you get into it so um, it's amazing to watch these people thrive in what they do um, and be at the centre of that. And speaking of the animals in our life, tell us about Rupert. <laughs> so, uh, so Rupert is my little um, four-month miniature long-haired Dachshund. I need to get that right. Um, and yeah, I got him only three months ago um on a very big whim I actually wasn't planning to get a dog at all it wasn't in my pipeline um and it was my partner who said you should get him I found you a breeder we're going to look now and I just had no choice so <laughs> no choice obviously <laughs> no choice. like I have to and then obviously you see the puppies and then you can't walk away without one so um so yeah he's uh he's been a little star at the moment I must admit and he um I've had a few of our subscribers say is he going to be featured in the next issue we're going to see him um because he's been having more photo shoots than I've been having recently <laughs> quite scary so um so yeah I need to uh I need to up my game to my little puppy <laughs> well I, I can't actually remember if it's the personal or brand account but you've got the highlights of them and there's yeah. an absolute brilliant photo <laughs> sort of in the leaves it looks like just oh it's very cute um well I didn't I didn't one know that you could get a uh, long-haired dachshunds and I also didn't know you could get more miniature than they already were <laughs> yeah I know because they're already quite a small dog but no yeah. so he's um oh, I, can't, I wouldn't even know his height he's tiny he I feel like he's only grown a little bit since he was a puppy um but yeah he won't grow too much bigger than probably what you've seen on on my Instagram 
Um, but he, the one thing he will get is more fluffier. So I'm waiting for like that to start because he's got really fluffy ears at the moment, but um, he's still quite short haired. So I'm waiting for all of his fluff to come. <laughs> it's that stage you almost don't want him to grow up. <laughs> I know. It's really yeah. kind of, I've, I've definitely had this like mum role put on to me now, which like I said, was never in my pipeline. Um, but I, I knew that, I knew the breed that I wanted and especially with work, like I didn't want to leave him at home. Um, so I always said in the future, if I get a dog, it'll have to be, you know, a small one that I can take to London or if I'm going to an event, take it to there. And uh, yeah, it's come a lot quicker than I thought it would be. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I won't blame my partner because I was definitely 100% wanting it as well. I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information about our primary sponsors, Howden Rural, the new name for A-Plan Rural. Howden Rural provide bespoke insurance cover for farms and estates. This could be for anything from tractors and machinery to a new exciting diversification venture. Be sure to check out Howden Rural today. Yeah, it doesn't sound like you're fully coerced. It doesn't sound like it was difficult <laughs> maybe to coerce, isn't it what I mean? Um, so you, you've got this interest in journalism uh, at school and then you've decided to go to uni. Am I right in saying you tried London and then went to Yorkshire? How yeah. Did story there. Yeah, so that was, um, I wouldn't even say it was a big risk. It was just what I wanted to do. Um, when I was at school, we, anything sort of media related or fashion related, they um, kind of pushed you to down south um, and were very, um, very kind of willing that if you were to succeed or if you were to get as many opportunities as you can, you needed to be in the capital. And that's where I wanted to be. I, I absolutely love London. Um, I used to go down nearly every month with my parents or just for me um, and loved it. And I just thought I can see myself living here like Devil Wears Prada kind of vibes. <laughs> um and yeah long story short it just I got down there and it it really wasn't what I expected um I absolutely hated the living I couldn't stand it um but the I went to uni so I went to London College of Fashion and it's really hard to get into and I was really really sort of excited and I absolutely loved the uni I don't knock it whatsoever I'm, I'm actually upset that I'm, I'm st I wasn't still going because I loved it but the living for me I just couldn't I just couldn't put through with that. Um, and it's super hard to meet people. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not sure if you've sort of spent much time in London, but it, everyone seems to be on one route to get somewhere. No one talks to anybody. It seems to be very hustly and bustly. Um, and I thought these were elements that I would love. But when I got down there, I was like, I really don't feel at home here. The the the, the speaking to people and... It's such an accurate thing. Have how many times have I been to London? I don't know about five, mm -hmm. um, but you know I, I, I'm in Scotland. Obviously, the sort of two main places are Glasgow and Edinburgh. You could speak to anyone in the middle of an alley or in a queue or up wherever. Yeah. But I don't know. Almost like even when you sort of like we're close to each other and bumping past each other, like are we sorry and stuff like that. That doesn't even happen. It's just like there's no. there's no. I I would find that very isolating even though you're surrounded by literally millions of people <laughs> like still yeah, so isolating yeah there's there's no connection I'd really struggle with that yeah. so you like you like the sort of being at uni but the rest was just yeah yes my course everything was amazing the opportunities that you were going to get through the university was incredible um the internships were 
you know, I couldn't ask for more for the university. But yeah, I just kind of, I remember like a few nights in, I was like calling my parents really, really late. It must have been like 3 a.m. in the morning. And I was like, I just hate it down here. I just want to come home. And I had to sort of make a decision with um, with the timings of uni um, because of like clearing and things like that. Um, basically, um, I'd spoken to someone and they said, look, if you want to move universities and you want to move back home, you need to be doing it as soon as possible because otherwise the cutoff time would have gone. So it was very pressurizing and I kind of had this like sliding doors effect of like, right, I either go home and see what happens because I had no plan or I stay in London, see it out and and just and just deal with it, really. Um, but yeah, I think I was a bit naive, little 18 year old at the time. And I was like so emotional and, and couldn't deal with it. So I was like, I need to go home. <laughs> and I think, you know, so many people see they could look at that situation and say, well, you should just go for it. But I don't think people realise how difficult that is when you're doing something that you just, this is not for me. Um, yeah. it, it, that's got to be more important than, and, and what would probably happen if you did four years and you you yeah. really disliked a lot of it was you would graduate and then you'd be like, I don't want anything to do with this thing anymore because yeah. you would have a negative attachment to it. There um, were so many different routes that... Um... And I always today I'm always thinking like God what what if I had stayed in London because I there's so many things work wise I, I definitely wouldn't this magazine would not be it would not be here if if I had stayed in London um, but there's so many personal things that I I wouldn't have done either so um, it was definitely a moment of like I said like a sliding doors effect I remember being on the train back home because I'd worked so hard to get down to London and I just remember being so upset because I was like everything I feel like I've worked for in A-levels and um, even I've done internships and everything to get down to London. I feel like it had just gone out the window. Um, and yeah, it was a very, it was a very sort of sad time for me. And I just thought, we'll just have to see what happens in the next journey back at home, really. Hindsight would be an amazing thing to be able no. to, <laughs> was it six years now forward and see it, it's, it's fine. Exactly. So what happened in Yorkshire? Did you do a similar course or was it different? So, uh, yeah, so I actually managed to get into um, York St. John University, um, which was amazing. They were such a big help. Um, and I undertook media production journalism. So it was just a generic journalism course. So the one in, I did in London was specifically fashion based, um, whereas this one was everything from like news, uh, podcasts, radio, anything that you can sort of think of that's journalism um and I'll admit I really didn't like aspects of it I I really hated doing the radio stuff <laughs> couldn't stand it um but it was the risk I took so I, I had to take you know I had to do it um and yeah it was just kind of where I'd found myself and um mentally I was in such you know such a better place um, but it was between the gap from London to York that I created the magazine because of this uncertainty of whether I was even going to get into York. Um, so for me, it was thinking, right, what what will I do if I don't get in? Because a lot of my friends were doing gap years or had work planned. And I obviously had nothing planned, was intended to be at uni. Um, and so the magazine just came into play and I was thinking, right, I'll create this like portfolio magazine. Um, I'll tailor it to my interests 
and kind of like what we spoke on before. And it'll just be a portfolio thing where when I come to next year and I need to get in, I'll show it as like a CV kind of thing. Um, and yeah, it just kind of took off. And then it was crazy. I was at uni and then running the magazine and yeah, it was a, it was an insane kind of period of my life. So tell us about the magazine. So, so yeah, the magazine, it's a a physical publication and um, our strapline is, um, we basically comment on the luxury fashion country lifestyle and that's everything that incorporates not just fashion um and we um our readership base is sort of like a city to country so um you know whether you're in the middle of london or you're in the um you know the furthest plains of the countryside the magazine is for you no matter what your interests are so it's kind of like that transition between the two um, and we're seeing that growth a lot more, I think, since COVID. Um, so, yeah, the magazine showcases everything from recipes, fashion, retreats, brand stories, agriculture. Um, we're doing a lot more sustainability. So, yeah, anything that you can sort of think of that's rural related, we uh, we do comment on it. What was What was the inspiration for the name? So the name, so the name means uh, female or woman in in French. And um, it came to me when I was at uh, doing my A-levels, actually, because I'd created a mini sort of magazine for my A-levels. Um, and I just sort of reincarnated it and brought it back in and thought it's a very, I kind of didn't want a name that said anything country or rural in it. I, I kind of just wanted it to be very generic um the magazine is a spotlight for women in the country um you know we really kind of push and promote this um encouragement for more women to get into agriculture and even like you know country pursuits like shooting fishing things like that um and so the name for me just needed to be I say as generic as possible but it needed to be as diverse and encompass everybody and um um yeah putting woman didn't sound quite right so (laughs) so I was like hmm how do I make this sound a bit more luxurious and fancy (laughs) I would agree woman magazine doesn't have the same (laughs) I wonder if there's one out there called woman magazine um maybe it's something you don't (laughs) (laughs) that's it (laughs) it's like when we get uh, tattoos with mandarin written on us and folk in China have it written in English um so one thing that sort of jumps out when you mention that you sort of went for a, a physical copy, it would be quite fair to assume that that's probably an industry that's going digital. I assume that's fair yeah, to assume. Definitely. Uh, I feel like um <clears throat> sometimes I feel like I'm fight I am fighting for the print industry and I'm not really sure why, because it is it is thriving. And I think of of course there's there's this huge digital scene. We're seeing it grow, you know, day after day. New apps are coming in consistently. Um, and the production of AI, chat GPT is, you know, it's quite scary for, you know, people who are in print. Um, but it's definitely not dead and it's definitely not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, every time we do market research, um, all of our readers have said 100% we wouldn't want this to go online and if it did it would be what we're already doing which is like blog posts newsletters social media um because it doesn't have that same effect I mean 
I've always been an advocate of physical, whether that's reading on holiday, um, reading a newspaper magazine. Um, I just love the turning of the pages. Um, and you don't get that with e-readers. And and I, you know, I totally understand it. Um, but there's definitely, I'm not even going to say it's a gap because it's there, but there's definitely a need for it. And that all our readers, I know, um, keep our magazines. They keep them as like coffee table ornaments because the covers are so beautiful. And I think that's what we thrive off. Um, and whilst we are a publication physically, we are making sure that we go hand in hand with digital and we're hitting all of the requirements that we need to be um, for, you know, our audience that are on um, on socials and on digital. So um, I liked, I'm a huge, I push it so much on, on my LinkedIn. I'm a huge um, supporter for the hand in hand with digital and print um, because I just love the two together and I think that they support one another really well. It's there's there, you're right about you know the sort of ability to sit and, and flick through mm-hmm. a magazine, a book, whatever. Um, and I realized that no one else saw me do that because there's not a video, <laughs> yeah. Before. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, I was just those listening, I was flicking through a book to try and show my point, but you don't see that. Um, I agree, I do agree. Uh, and and it's not like your socials aren't strong. I mean, I think the last post you put up was you just hit 10k on Instagram, and yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Which is, you know, I think I think we're quite guilty of my social reach isn't massive. I think my total following is about 11,000 over the accounts. But we say that and we actually start thinking about those numbers. Like, that's mm. a lot of people. Yeah, it <laughs> is. Know. It's a huge amount of people. When we um, hit 10K, I just thought, like, that, again, like you said, that's insane amount of people that are following us or been in contact with us. We've also done posts um, where we've collaborated with brands and I've looked at our engagement and it's been like, we've reached something like 500,000 accounts. And I'm, I'm and I'm thinking that's insane. And, you know, little me when I started the magazine, you know, was, was you know, my aim wasn't to get as many followers as we possibly could because the aim was to put light on the magazine. But I think it just shows the support that we have from our readers and from our followers who maybe they don't maybe own a magazine but they love the content that we put out um from shoots or with brands or anything like that and that to me just it just makes me feel so proud and you know and that's why I love the digital and print aspect how how often do you release uh, magazines so we release quarterly, so we work seasonally. Um, so the magazine will always um, come out just before the season or just as the season's kind of coming in. Um, and subscribers always get theirs first through the door. And then we usually, as soon as we release the cover, it's kind of like a free-for-all of um, everyone going on the website and grabbing theirs. Um, but I'd say that our magazines are like totally evergreen. Um, I still have people buying our like 2020 issues, um, which again, going back to the cover thing and, and readers keeping their magazines, I think it's because they find them so beautiful and the content is so, um, you know, when you feel our magazine, um, I'll have to send you one, Wallace. So you can oh, fantastic. Yes. Um, but yeah, when you <laughs> see them and you feel them, they're so luxurious. They They feel like, you know not something that you would throw away like a newspaper or something like that so um so yeah I I always class our magazines as evergreen um but you know people love looking forward to the next one they're so excited to see who's on the cover who's involved um and 
yeah, that just makes me feel so happy in itself. And how, how has it sort of grown since it started? Oh my gosh, insanely. Um, like I said, this wasn't meant to be a, a business. It wasn't meant to be a thing that even people, it was meant to be just for me. Um, I sound so selfish saying that, like, God, it's just for me. Not guys. at all, not at all. Um, but yeah, it just started, like I said, as a portfolio thing. And then um, it the growth, I guess, progressed from Instagram, which again is great because we wouldn't be here if that digital aspect wasn't there. Um, so yeah, I'd say once I'd created an account, everyone then was kind of like, okay, this is amazing. Can I have one? Um, and we just ended up doing the odd sale. Like it wasn't, it wasn't kind of a big thing. And then I worked with a stockist who were opening up in York, um, a country stockist. And they were really interested in stocking. And and from there as well, we kind of grew. Um, and since in the past, so we're in our fifth year now, which is super exciting. Um, we are now like so much more than a publication. You know, we do annual fashion shows. We do subscription events. Um, we go to, to brands with... Um, with country shows and we do you know loads with them I've mo- I've managed influencers who are under the femme name um the, honestly the list goes on and on we exhibit so yeah we've become more than just a magazine and and I love that because um again kind of with the digital thing like we're not here to just be a magazine that goes out seasonally we want to advocate what are in our pages physically we want subscribers to meet um and just kind of voice how they feel, you know, in our in our events. How, how amazing is that? Oh, that's so cool. Um, it was actually how I came across you. Um, oh. Becca and Lizzie had worked with you. Yes. Yeah. Um, Lizzie and Becca, was it, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so we um, have been in touch with, with them both now for ages, it seems. Um, and they, again, have been huge supporters the whole way through, um, featured on their podcast before. And and as women who are both in, I mean, Becca's, you know, full-time farmer and Lizzie has, you know, no background of, of yeah. anything agricultural. Together, they work so beautifully because, and I always say to them, like, they are an epitome of femme country because we, we you know, we promote the same and we direct the same readership that are between those landscapes. Um, so yeah, those two are probably you know, you know the, some of the people that we've had from the very start, um, and yeah, that's what we kind of want to grow, and, and we're doing that every day. And I'm so happy to see you know the comments that come through about this magazine because it's never just you know oh your content this season was amazing. It's like oh I read this and it changed my life, or now I never thought I'd go into shooting, but I've got a clay you know clay lesson next week. And that to me is just, you know, it makes me feel so proud and happy um, that we're not just this magazine that is, um, you know, delivering news. So I think you're an influencer now then, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this word. I love this word. Um, I don't know. Like I'd say that we, um, I like to influence what I think is right in a season um, you know, I've had so many brands come through the door and I've seen their potential and I want to showcase that. And I think we have so many readers who wouldn't know about certain brands or wouldn't know about certain events. And, you know, it, it makes me so happy to be able to put that out there. Um, so I guess you could say we're influencing in, in some sense. Um, but for me, it's about getting as many voices as we can in the magazine, 
um you know whether that's from professionals to founders to farmers it you know that's so important to me that we get as many out and I think that's how we thrive as well it's a it is an interesting word <clears throat> influencer because I think it's been it's been made into this word that means you post a random photo here and there and <laughs> you get paid for it like that's sort of what it now means but in general someone who has an influence is someone that can offer something that makes people want to try something new so um what does a week in your life look like oh my goodness um, <laughs> it can be anything which is why I love my job as well um trying to think what a recent week is like for me I mean this week take this week for instance I usually have a few meetings so um we have inquiry meetings oh, I'm gonna say every other day um with brands or with small businesses who are looking and that's anything from inside the magazine to events um I've had a lot with uh, with the fashion show coming up recently um I attend events so this week I've been at Sandown um and doing some you know a lot of media promotion for for them with the jockey club um and the royal artillery so um yeah and that's obviously down in london and then i'm back up to yorkshire and then i can be on a shoot day like the following day so yeah it, it does vary and it can be quite quick um but i'd say towards a launch it it does get more officey and i do tend to be in my office quite a lot with um approvals of um you know, articles coming in from the writers um, and we have a lot of photography kind of edits to do. Um, so it can be sort of office-based, but I'd say most of the time I am out and about here, there and everywhere. These next few weeks in my calendar are just insane. Um, with Cheltenham Festival coming up, um, we've got a lot we're doing with Holland Cooper, which is amazing. So yeah, it can look insane, but it's almost a chaotic fun. So I like it a lot. Yeah, it sounds fun. It's your passion as well, isn't it? So it's yeah. Exactly. It's that saying find yourself find yourself a job um, you'll never work a day in your life or something yeah. like that. Yeah. That's <laughs> how I feel, definitely. And I I love what I do and I would never change it for the world. And I like how I'm, you know, often doing freelance things for other people as well. So sometimes I manage other people's fashion shows. So, you know, I'm I'm doing quite a lot that's um here, there and everywhere. Um, and I love it. One of the, I'd say one of the most fun things I've done with Femme Country recently, well, last year was our cover with uh, Liz Fletcher. I don't know if you know her. Um, with Calvin, Calvin Fletcher's partner. Yeah. yeah. And um, that was just amazing. Such a beautiful story. And we went on to their farm and shot there. And it was just so much fun. And, you know, we never kind of sugarcoated what it was actually like on a farm like you know Liz was shooting and she picked up a lamb and had literally just poo all over it <laughs> um and yeah we did some stuff with um ITV as well for their documentary so yeah honestly the days can be so varied but um but I love it it's, you don't know what's coming next which I quite like you know it's it, I've always thought <clears throat> with Kelvin and Liz that I don't know as much about Liz as I do Kelvin, just with Emmerdale yeah. and Strictly and whatnot. They're so open to folk going on the farm. Like, oh, they, they could so be very open. closed off. Um, yeah. I yeah. think Liz as well is such an advocate for women in farming because, 
you know, when she's not farming, she's being a mum. And when she's not being a mum, she's being an actor. And when she's not being an actor, she's doing something promotional with a brand. So she really is like hit in and out of everything. And when I, every time I spoke to her, it was, I was just so in awe of what she does. And we became really close friends. And um, the, they work as such a team together on that farm as people who, didn't even know anything about farming yeah. when they bought the farm and i just think that that's incredible and i also love how open they are about that they're like Look, yeah. this is new to us i really i really i think there's a lot of people i'm sure this is the the case for all industries but just because i know farming <laughs> um yeah. they feel they have to pretend they know everything um yeah. whereas they, they've not went down that route which which is very respectful um this obviously started just as you uh for almost to create a portfolio um Bronte but I get the impression now it's more than just you creating this yes it's definitely many, it's a yeah. very small team but it is mainly me yeah is it so how many people is involved or is it so at the moment we are a team of four predominantly yeah. um uh we have a lot of freelance writers freelance photographers who um you know are very close with us but yeah predominantly we are a team of three to four um I guess more like part-time to full-time um so yeah it's um a lot of the time it's me and uh, my features assistant Lydia who is oh she's just amazing um and yeah we just kind of filter through everything get everything done um but you'll actually find with most publication teams it is very small um you know obviously the likes of Vogue and very different but um, many of the publication teams that I've um, liaised with or been to events with, you know, they can be a team of 10 or a team of eight. They are they are generally very small. Um, and I think that's why they're so personal as well. But yeah, we are. We are quite a small team. Yeah. You've mentioned Vogue there. It's, it sort of leads me to a question. Is, is there any intention or any desire to start work out with the UK? Um, like work with Vogue, do you mean? Well, I mean, I'm sure if you could work with Vogue, that'd be amazing, but I assume it's quite <laughs> tricky. <laughs> Just to mean yeah, sort of working. Well, no, I, I wanted to work with Vogue. <laughs> that was my that was my dream. Um, that was why I went down to London was to get, you know, a sort of um, a top role with Vogue. Um, and yeah, I think because I've now built this, you know, it literally is my baby. Um there's no sort of desire for me to to look at somewhere else but I admire everything that they do I love them um I, you know I take inspiration from people like Vogue Country Living um Town and Country House I think everything that they do is amazing and we're always looking um you know to seeing what they're doing and inspiration um but yeah it's it would have always been a dream of mine if Vogue called me tomorrow and said do you want to come work for us I probably I would definitely say no, but it would be a huge compliment um to have them come to me. First off, I think Rupert will be very sad that you've called this your baby. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Rupert's priority. Um, oh, it's got to be. You got to be. Um, <laughs> I didn't strictly mean working sort of for stroke with Vogue. Mm -hmm. Just when we mentioned Vogue, I'm more meant sort of like. I assume your your market at the minute is UK subscribers. Oh, I see what you mean. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Um. I mean, we did start as UK based, um, but now we're all over the world. Um, 
if I was to send you our map of where we've sent to, it's it's crazy. We've sent to um, Australia, America, Switzerland, Germany, uh, Denmark, Norway. They're just a few that I could name. Um, that's so cool. But yeah, that I would say that's only been in the last year and a half since we changed. Um, we had a new website designs come in, um, Black Nova Designs, and they've been incredible. And since we've been with them, our subscriptions overseas has just skyrocketed um and it kind of showed to me again this interest because I thought you know what we showcase is very British most of the brands are British brands um apart from like the odd one but um it really kind of shocked me that there was this interest but I've had so many amazing messages I've got a family who live in Australia and um, the mum who buys our magazine, she messaged me saying, um, we used to live in the UK and we've moved to Australia, but the country scene is just not the same over here. Um, the country shows are just completely different. And I think it was to get that taste back of like UK life. Um, and similarly, when the Queen died, you know, our US subscriptions just went through the roof. And I think it was because, you know, people were so intrigued about the British and, um our royal life and and guess what goes hand in hand with that is like this luxury lifestyle um so we've had elements where we've like seeped into um you know over borders and I love that you know every time we see an international order come in I, I'm you know so happy about it um but yes we have sent um I have subscriptions in every postcode of the UK so far um which is amazing we hit that um last year so that's amazing for us. So we know it's getting to like from the top end to the bottom. Here's here's one for you to look for. So I'm I'm from an island in Scotland. Oh, um, amazing. Have you ever had, well, you might not know this off my heart, but you can, you can maybe look, ever had an order from the Isle of Arran? There's one too. Yeah. Oh, have you? No way. And I used to have a um, a client who was from the Isle of Arran um, and she did, oh, she did like personalised country wear like uh, mugs and towels and things like that. Uh, Jessica Grant. It might have been, yes. Yeah, yeah. She, Jessica and I went to school together and I, somewhere around my desk, will have um, my branded stuff that, that Jessica made. <laughs> uh, it's a small world, isn't it? Um, okay. I assume it, I assume it was. Amazing. Yeah, I've definitely seen Alar of Aaron coming. There's so many Scottish, because they're all quite long. I mean, all the names yeah. are quite long. Um, but yeah, we've had a few, you know, loads. And to be honest, Scotland was one of the main areas I really pushed. Um, and we've seen it kind of grow since. Um, and yeah, you might have to, I've got a big, I potentially could have a big thing coming up in Scotland in uh, September, um, which I can't really speak about. But yeah, I would say watch this space. But we're definitely growing into um, the different borders of of England, which I which I love. And you know, again, just more people reading the magazine is is great. No, that's amazing. There's there's some really nice. It's slightly different, but I've got the sort of the map of where people have listened to the podcast. I oh, love I love that. Yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah. And you really like shock yourself because you're like, really? From that? Well, exactly. And and uh, I, I don't actually know roughly how many podcast views I've got. I, th I think it's about 0.7 million, but That's like amazing. the app I was using stopped. It was Spotify. 
and it still showed you Apple Analytics, but then it stopped the Apple okay. Analytics. Yeah. Because all my information was there, like I didn't want to change. So for about six <laughs> months, I don't actually really have information. Um, but since I had about 300 views, not 300,000, 300 views, I have a viewer in Singapore. Wow. <laughs> I think they've listened to every episode. Yeah, exactly. It's so strange. It um, is. Like I said, to see that map of where um, it's coloured in is just, you know, insane. I think we had one, um, oh, I had one in China. And I was like, that's just incredible that someone has found us from yeah. China and ha- we've shipped over a magazine. I think that's just amazing. And I get so many messages saying, how can I subscribe from <laughs> from Norway? And you know, it just it just baffles me. And I think it's amazing. So you you must feel exactly the same. Yeah. I think to be found in China, it's kind of amazing when you consider sort of like CCP rule of, of media and whatnot. And yeah, exactly. Actually be found is impressive. Um, the, the geographical sense of it is is amazing. And I, and I think it's just, an, I always say it's the brands that we work with, but, you know, the, this, um, you know, people are loving it. You aren't just in Britain. So, you know, it, it means we're doing our job as well. One one question I had, I mean, I think most of the I'm really interested in the business and the marketing side, Bronte, is is um one question that I had actually on fashion, and this might not be of of any sort of direct interest to you, but I'll ask it anyway, is you're dealing with with companies like Holland Cooper, Fairfax and Favour, sort of yes. smallly established brands that have become sort of household names, but still not multinational conglomerate type sizes. Is, is there issues with fast fashion in the rural scene or is that mainly a, you know, like things that spring to mind is like sheen and stuff like that. And maybe that's a, yeah. a you know, is that an issue or is that not really in rural fashion yet? <laughs> no, I would say we're really, in, in fact, it should be um, pushed more. I'd say it is one of the industries which is a huge advocate who pushes it the most, um, you know, with the Made in Britain tagline, um, you know, I think, I think country brands do it beautifully. Um, yeah, we are seeing it hugely with fashion in terms of like pretty little thing, like you said, Shein, um, Boohoo, they all tend to do it. And, um, you know, it's easy for us to look at them and say, oh, well, you know, it works on, on our budget, you know, it's cheap fashion. Um, but when you look into the like, <laughs> the if this is a word, like biodegradability of these products, it's actually very scary. And um, I have one client called Wearing Brook. I'm not sure if you've heard of them. And they uh, primarily do like knitted um, products from like shooting socks to ponchos, hats. And I sat down with her for an interview. And uh, honestly, it just took me aback because she was saying about like the process of what her products go through in terms of, you know, a product from like Boohoo, let's say. And um, it is, it's so scary. And I think what the country industry do so well as as well is um, we do a lot of pre-loved. There's, you know, there's lots of pre-loved country brands coming out at the moment. Um, off the top of my head, Cow and Country, pre-loved country clothing. And again, they're making sure they extend the life of these garments, which are so beautiful. And, you know, it'd be a shame to throw them away. I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2Cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry.
but I think maybe that's why the country industry does have that higher price tag is because they're investable products which you can keep in your wardrobe for years and years to come you can pass them down um and yeah I do think we advocate it really really well especially with like the wool industry things like that they're huge for it so I would I might bias here but say that you know as an industry they're probably the best at doing it it's um when you mentioned wool there I used to be I used to be a cook chef whatever um Mm. for uh a cafe that was sort of like a subsidiary business to a place called the old buyer showroom this was on the Isle of Arran as well yeah um and uh, Lorna who runs that is very focused on making sure sustainable no fast fashion no one use clothes and stuff like that yeah. and I think there's there's probably some people that that look at that and say it's too expensive but then when you consider like let's yeah. forget sustainability for a second just product quality even in its own yeah. you know? and 100%. then sustainability um is a fantastic thing I don't have you ever heard of Alice Crookshanks no I haven't actually no, it, I, I wouldn't it doesn't surprise me in fairness she's not sort of rural fashion based so BBC social is a thing in Scotland that's like mm-hmm. um social media creation for the BBC it's just a small thing and I've done a few videos with them and with that you meet the other folk that are doing it and Alice's thing is um is sustainable fashion uh, and it, I found it really interesting um yeah it's huge and like tweeds especially how tweeds are made in the mills um which which many of them were in Scotland um they you know they're amazing and at the sustainability is at the heart from the beginning from the design of the product to the end um you know I think what uh, brands like PLT you know it's very much big mass production which isn't what the country you know if, if something's sold out online you're probably not getting it back for like another you know six to eight months sometimes so it's sort of a really and I quite like that like you said there's an element of um quality and luxury which is again what we showcase and yes that may come with a higher price but I think seeing the lifeline and what happens to that garment once it's done is you know a lot of the reason why people buy into it now I think 10 years ago people weren't fussed about it but now it is a buying point of listening to a brand's journey and and where they've come from and why they've chosen to gone down that route there's there's a this is maybe a perception from a complete a person completely not in the sector so it might be interesting to hear is the social media have a bit of a sort of negative role in that there's 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 a desire to put a photo up with a new what i'm wearing you know uh, actually just looking behind my camera is a photo um yasmin gave me for my birthday and i'm wearing the same clothes in about four of the six photos like, I mean, I just, I, I, it's, I sort of find clothes that I find comfy and that's, yeah. that's, that's golden. But there's this sort of like, oh, I, I don't know if it's for more likes or if it's just like a sort of keeping up appearances thing. Like this is a new get up I'm wearing this time. Is, is that a thing that, you know, people, people buy something to wear once and then it just, it either sits somewhere or is that what you're talking about? Like pre-loved, is that where there's a market for that then to go elsewhere? I think there's so many there's so many different answers to that question um you know people do and it's a very you know I think sometimes it can be if you've got an event coming up or a party you know I know speaking from experience like I don't like to wear something twice but I would also if there's a way I can style it a different way 
and um, whether that be a jacket and I've done it for Cheltenham festival so many times I've worn the same jacket but then changed the style then I'll do it and again that just keeps it in my wardrobe it keeps it used um a lot of people are actually on um apps such as buy rotation where they rent their things so they're not actually getting rid of it they're just renting again and not just throwing it away because honestly if I saw some tweed in a skip or you know I'd be very I'd be crying because it would just be all <laughs> um but yeah and also I think you've got to remember that fashion is constantly changing like there's trends coming out every week nearly sometimes every day and brands such as you know, like you mentioned, Holland Cooper and Fairfax, they have consistent new products with new styles coming out every single month. So, you know, people are going to be continually wanting that. Um, and I know there's so many of our readers who collect things like that. So they have all their tweeds um, and they'll go shooting in them or they'll go to events in them. Um, but, you know, they do also, once they're done with it, it will go to someone like Pre-Loved Country Clothing or... Um, I know some of the brands themselves, um, Barber now do a um, service where you take your barber back to them. And if you've got a hole in it or you need a new button, um, they do it for you. So, again, it's just that, you know, renewing, um, I say old products, but it's not really sort of that renewal of old to new and keeping the cycle going, which I think, again, it's such a, a buying products now and like I said I'd be I'd be very upset if someone decided that they wanted to throw away something that was just so lovely it's is that quite tricky in your position as a journalist uh, you, you're writing quarterly so I assume you start writing three months ahead of it being released is yeah is that quite tricky to be like oh god there's something it's new now one of the things that um yeah so we're always working on at least two issues at a time so at the moment we're finishing spring we're on to summer and we're sort of started autumn which is very scary because my christmas starts in like summer which is horrendous um but yes we're always kind of like five to ten steps in front um but yeah i um it, it is it's just keeping on top of the trend styles and to be honest we promote the sustainability like we would never kind of say well forget about the collection that we spoke about last season here's a brand new one <laughs> like you know we're always renewing stuff that we've had or you know I always go back to brands like Holland Cooper who brought out you know they originally did very country heavy stuff and now they go into more city things but I'm always going back to their original collections and saying these are these are sellout pieces. We need to keep showing them um, and keep keep pushing the um, the products which do so well. Um, but yeah, I do get a lot of comments from my readers saying um, my bank account hates me because of your magazine, and um, you know I've got my wardrobe so full. But then you know for our fashion show last year, uh, one of our main sponsors was Pre Loved Country Clothing. So. We, you know, we really advocate for that, really push it. And, you know, a bit like the digital and print thing, as long as they're hand in hand and we're promoting it, because I'm really passionate about it. Um, our readers are always on the same, you know, same wavelength as well. It sounds like you should be um, looking away from fashion companies for a sponsorship and looking at like MasterCard and Visa. <laughs> <laughs> um, keep them on side. Um, <laughs> I've I've really enjoyed this. I love I love sort of interviewing uh, something that one I know very little about, as I'm sure I've proven, um, <laughs> and two, just a completely different thing. I, I really find it interesting, and 
and you put it across so well. Yeah, I'm glad that it brings, um, because I think sometimes people do see us um, and they think like farming and fashion, like how do they go together really? But unless you dive deeper into the, the topic, it is such a big thing. I mean, I've been to so many brand events where they've shown me new pieces and gone, we've actually created this for the farmer, like it's for um you know productivity as well as looking great you know the British weather's horrendous so we need to make sure that <laughs> we're dressed for it um so you know they're always looking out for these types of roles and we're just kind of like the medium that helps showcase that um so when you know I chat to people about it and they may not be so much as um you know into it or know about it um, you know, they always come away and thought, well, I didn't, I didn't know that, or I didn't know how big it was. I think I chat so many people and they don't realize how big, but I just tell them like, honestly, go to places like the game fair and you will see how incredibly huge it is and how everyone just adores it. Um, and it's a big, it's a big section of the rural industry now. Um, and it's becoming huge. I, in fact, I should have said this, but I just saw a pretty little thing actually going back to our other topic do a campaign and it was very country like yeah very country and I thought it's slowly creeping in like the whole cowboy boots the Texan kind of look that's slowly coming into British and I think like you know it is a lifestyle that people love and look up to so uh yeah I'm just uh very excited to kind of be in it and to um, push it forward. Oh, wow. <laughs> People won't know what I've just said for that then. <laughs> yeah, no, again, for those listening, I've shown my cowboy boots. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, is, it is in mainstream now because <clears throat> um, it's a nice look and it can look professional, urban or rural, in an urban or rural environment. Exactly. And if if you walk around like you say a game fair, a Highland show, or whatever, it is everywhere. It um, is everywhere. My friend, I once took her to um, I think it was the Yorkshire show. Um, yeah, it was either the Yorkshire show or the game fair. And she came away and she said, I've never seen so many gilets in my life. <laughs> and I was like, that is brilliant because it, it literally is like a uniform. And I guess we're trying to, we're not trying to change that, but we're trying to show how important it is and just a style. Um, because I think people do look at it like that, but um, it's so much more when you like delve deeper into it. Well, I had written one of the things in my notes uh, <laughs> before we, we sort of started filming, um, <laughs> you know, the rural fashion of the sort of check shirt, the blue jeans, the tan market boots and the shuffle. <laughs> the shuffle is a good one, yeah. Um, shuffle's just blowing up. You know and... the funny thing, though, is that it's not pronounced shuffle. Oh, is it not? No, everyone says it wrong. Like, even I'm prone to saying it. And they told me off for it. Like, that's not how you say it. I think it's it's pronounced shuffle. And it's because oh. it's the guy's last name but I still say shuffle all the time and to be honest I think they know that everyone does but we were chatting about like this I don't want to call it like a uh, it's like a fan base and they love it that they, they're absolutely they love seeing it I think it's shuffle spotted on Instagram they love it and they just yeah they love the hype around of it um it's definitely become like the pinnacle of of a uh, farmery look or a country look it's funny, I'm, I'm like an agricultural lecturer, so I've got 
16 to 21 year olds and the things are shuffle not shuffle yeah. <laughs> um, and a uh, ridgeline and stony creek jackets yeah ridgeline's huge over the past year like definitely <clears throat> but yeah it is funny and, and like you said you notice these um you know i always call it the country uniform um these kind of things and and young farmers are the huge pushers for it because they wear it um and the brands love it like you know I'll be a a spokesperson for them but they they love it and this is why they keep producing things that you know they want their customers to love well I thought there's two questions I end every podcast with Bronte but I had one thing I wanted to mention to you that at the Highland show last year um I don't know if you know who Doogie Vipond is but (laughs) he's one of the presenters on Landward which is like Scotland's country file um, and uh, there was a, a wool fashion show and I was asked to present it. Uh, and just to show you why I stick out like such a sore thumb at these shows, that's how I was dressed. Oh my gosh, <laughs> the pattern shirt. Yeah, exactly, yeah, the, the Hawaiian shirt's all you need. Everyone wearing fancy kilts and fancy tweed tops and well, stuff. You, you definitely like would have um, shone out apart from all the country uniforms, so everyone would have <laughs> looked at you. Um couldn't exactly miss me uh, but no honestly thank you so much for your time no uh, problem thank you for having me on you know, I've been an absolute pleasure but as I said there there's two questions I ask everyone uh, and they are one where do you see yourself in five years and two if you had any tips for people coming into your industry what would they be oh okay so the first one um in five years I mean I hope I just want to keep doing our events they're huge for us um I would really love uh Femme Country to become like a group where uh businesses can come to us for things like branding or um you know not so much PR but they can come to us and think right well we can help market in so many different ways whether that's events print digital so I'd love to kind of delve into that um but for for me I've I've kind of got these I've got certain people I would love on our cover and so ticking through them is my um my goals and some I've I've already done and thought wow that that was amazing like Liz she was a huge one and um you know so to continue to do that would be would be amazing um but yeah I always I always have this vision but then it will probably go somewhere else like that's how my life tends to go from the start so um I'm always just kind of a big believer of you know whatever happens is going to happen so um so I'd say that's my next five years and um yeah for the advice I would just say to any anyone that is going into fashion or even media to not not be so enticed by the London as you know the London sort of um uh how do I say like what draws you into London um you know you can thrive in whatever industry and whatever business you you want to be whether that's at home um you know or in a city just down the road you know I so wish that I had looked at other universities as well as London so you know don't kind of segregate yourself to one place because you know if you if you've got the determination the hard work that's going to come with wherever you are um and just to get your foot in the door like I mean it's a huge one in fashion you know to rub shoulders with people um you know I've spoken to people on the trains um I've just picked up the phone and rang people and just to get your directory like as big as possible um 
I started that from such a young age, even when I was doing internships. Um, and now I'm kind of like calling on people that I met like, you know, four years ago um, for things like photo shoots or location suggestions. So it, you know, it's sort of like a who you know as well as what you know. Um, but yeah, just kind of grow it and put yourself out there um, and build up your directory. I'd say they're, they're huge, huge ones that I would suggest. The directory one's amazing in just about every industry, isn't it? <clears throat> exactly. I mean, for yourself, you've probably got a huge like contact list of of so many amazing people. Um, and then when you go to events and things, you you recognise people and you can say hi and um and put you know the amount of people that have come to me and said, "Can you suggest any photographers?" And I'm like, "God, I could suggest like hundreds <laughs> of if you want." Um, but it's just from getting to know people and, like I said, rubbing rubbing a few shoulders with people. Oh, I'd say I agree with that hugely. I think networking is massive and everything. You know, if you can walk into a room and speak to a bunch of folk, you're probably going to find someone that's going to be of assistance at some point. Um, exactly. Five years time, it could be. Let's see if I can remember my French from from high school. Ten <laughs> piece ons would that be ten years? I think. Ten years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Although yeah. I have had a few suggestions to do a hom, um, which is obviously okay. the male yeah. version of what we do. Um and it's always been in the back of my mind and um I'm not gonna say watch this space because I don't know about it just yet. <laughs> um but yeah, that's always been a huge suggestion. In fact, the most the most suggestions I get apart from the fashion show is um yeah, are you gonna do a male magazine? Um so maybe that could be in the five year pipeline, I don't know, but um yeah, we'll we'll see what's around the corner. Make sure the two M's are obvious or people might think it's a house magazine. Yeah, yeah that is very true, actually. I'll make sure I note that. If you're if you're in need of any Viking-looking, probably plus-size models from Scotland, feel free to get in touch if you do. There's so many people when I mention it, so my friends have gone, oh, do you need anyone? I'm like, yeah, but would you actually buy the magazine? And they're like, probably not. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Um, I don't think, I mean, maybe you could tell me wrong, but I'm not sure if men would maybe collect our magazines the same way that our readers do. But, you know, it's a shot in the dark and I'd actually love to see how it how it would come about. So, uh, yeah, like I said, it could be in a five year pipeline. I'm not too sure. But <laughs> I would the five year questions, like I always say, it's actually quite a horrible question. I don't have a clue what's happening. I've got a few <laughs> things that I know are coming up in the next two years, but like. I could not tell you what's happening in five years because I think I don't think if you'd told me five years ago to said where I am, I would have believed you the same with yourself. So exactly, yeah. yeah. I, I honestly, if, if yeah, if you would have been on the train with me going back home and I and you said, "Oh, where do you think you're going to be?" I honestly would have had no, mm. not one single answer for you. So um, yeah, my mum is such a big believer of like everything happens for a reason. So I've just followed in her footsteps in that. Um, so yeah, I obviously have plans and like like I said, tick boxes that I definitely want to achieve. Um, but we'll just, I mean, we'll just have to see what happens, really. Oh, I love that. I love that. Listen, as I said, it's been an absolute pleasure having you. It's been great fun. Oh, yeah. thank you so much, Wallace. Not at all. Not at all. Really enjoyed this episode. And for those of you listening, I'm sure I'm sure very much the same. If you haven't checked out Femme magazine, look it up and maybe you could be Maybe you could be a Singapore subscriber if you are the <laughs> listener from Singapore. <clears throat> um, 
the last episode we had was with Rachel Yarrow on goat's cheese. What what was very exciting about filming with Rachel was again you guys can't see but we do film with video because it's very hard to speak to people when you can't see them. But I don't release the video. Um, Rachel was talking about goats, and I'd said that goats are absolutely my favourite animal along with cats, and um. So we spoke about goats and then she turned the camera to the cat, which was very exciting. So at one point I do get quite excited halfway through the episode. No one knows what's happening. Um, next one, as I said, <clears throat> I haven't yet filmed with Sam Watson-Jones. Um, Going to be a good episode there. And then the one after that, I'll be number 180. And I thought I was being a genius by bringing a darts player on. So an ex-world number four darts player and Rab Smith coming on for number 180. I live about, what, two miles from Rab's house and he just phone mate and he was like do you want to just come round to the house and we sat there and we had a drink together and I played darts with him and he is still good at 76 um, so yeah it was all good fun uh, but any other people that you quite like to see in the podcast let me know we'll be yeah I think I'll be there'll be four more episodes before I head off to Brazil I probably won't be filming much in Brazil but I'll um, I am going to start some bonus episodes where it'll just be myself basically every for every week I'm away on Nuffield Travels, I'll do an update myself, um, which is is support is supported by Howden Rural, um, just on how the Nuffield's going, what's happening, uh, to to keep everyone updated. So hopefully you'll quite like those sort of bonus episodes, um. But yeah, any other guests you want to see, get in touch, um. And if you do want to bring other folk on that definitely take me out of my comfort zone, such as someone talking about fashion, um, please feel free to do so as well. But uh, Bronte, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Uh, we shall we shall see you all later on. See you then. I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2 cast as much as I have. And I would just like to quickly thank our primary sponsors of the show today, Howden Rural, the new name for A-Plan Rural. If you follow Howden Rural on social media, you'll see the plethora of work that they do to support this sector. And it's been a pleasure to work alongside them so far and long may it continue. For more information about them, be sure to check out Howden Insurance dot co dot uk forward slash rural and i'll see you for the next episode